tonight, tonight's a special night, uh, not only because of, uh, because of the tailgate, but uh, I hope that you guys enjoy tonight's message. But I got a question for you guys. Um, have you ever had something really good, then you discovered later, like, it could have been better the whole time? Um, for me, it's like peanut butter. Peanut butter always gets better. Like, I discovered as a kid, peanut butter and jelly, that's a phenomenal thing. And once you've had peanut butter and jelly, can you really go back to just peanut butter? Um, and then... <laughs> My wife, she, she hates peanut butter, and I like uh, peanut butter bananas is another thing. Um, I don't know, man. Peanut butter and bananas, that's where it's at. Um, I like that. Um, really, I just like to eat, but, you know. Um, bacon and eggs, right, once you've had that. And so you discover these things in life, and I know it's kind of funny. All mine revolve around food, but um, when you discover these things in life, it's hard to, like, go back and be like, man, how, how did I miss this this whole time? On a serious note, one of those for me was, was my wife, um, actually, that, that when I discovered life, with her, it was one of these things that it's kind of like I'd been missing out the whole time and I look back and I'm like, how did I ever manage day in and day out without her by my side, you know? So it was like one of those things that my eyes were open to something new and when our eyes are open to it, it's just like wow, this is incredible. Um, Fellowship at church was another one. When I, when I got connected, you know, I used to show up week after week after week and I wouldn't engage with people really. I didn't make friends here until I did and then when I did, it was like, I've been doing church all wrong this whole time. Like, this is what it's about. This is what it's about. And so tonight, we're going to have a message um, kind of about that. And uh, tonight, the message is titled this, The Day After. And so what I want to talk about tonight is the day after you, you discover like the fullness of everything here, the fullness of what God has for you. Because the day after is never like the day before. The day after you discover something great, that your eyes are open, that your mind expands, that you realize what you've been missing out on, you can never go back, can you? I mean, you can't unlearn, you can't forget. There's no going backwards from that moment. The day after is new, and it's incredible. And so I want to talk about the day after Pentecost. And so... Pentecost is a scary word. We're going to get in that. We're not going to get too charismatic in here tonight. Um, (laughs) But um, we're going to talk about the day after. And so first of all, um, it is the day after Pentecost Sunday. And so if you guys are like, what is that? Yesterday in the church was Pentecost Sunday. And so we're going to talk just for a moment about what that is. And then second, my hope is that you will walk out of here tonight um, with new insight, new understanding about the the day after. And, and tomorrow you'll begin to live your life in a new, exciting, and different way. And so let's start with the first question, what is Pentecost? You know, when we talk about it, it's a, if you grew up like me, you didn't really like church, you didn't like church people. And so that was like one of those scary words, because like, I don't want to have anything to do with anybody who's talking about anything like that. So all those words were filthy words, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecost, you know, I didn't like any of them. So I don't want you to pull away in this moment. Um, Again, I I want you to lean in and, and I want you just to hear what we have to say. And so In order to answer that question, though, what is Pentecost, Um, we need to look at the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to start tonight. And so Acts was written by Luke. Luke was a Gentile. Luke is part of four books we call the gospel. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each tell of the life and the ministry of Jesus. And then Luke wrote Acts in that. So he wrote the book of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. And so Acts was written to a guy named Theopolis um, in addition to the book of Luke so that people would know and understand who Jesus was and realize that he was the son of God. And so in Acts um, chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, During the 40 days 
After he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And so what had happened, to give you guys some context, as many of you know, um, Jesus, he was God in a body, the son of God. He came, he died, he was crucified, and we get that message a lot, and we know it. It's like, oh yeah, I have salvation. Unfortunately, many of us stop there. And we don't go any further than that, and we miss it, and we fail to realize what all God had for us. And so Jesus was crucified. He was buried. He was raised to life after three days. Um, and then what many of us will gloss over, too, is that he spent about 40 days with his disciples, teaching them and being with them. And, and here we have this right here. Again, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. Well, in verse 4 and 5, it says, Once... When he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised you, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so what had happened is after the 40 days, Jesus ascended. A few weeks ago, we kind of talked about Jesus' last command. Um, right at the ascension, Jesus says this. He said, Go out into all the world and, and baptize in my name. Make disciples of the nations. Reach people for me. And then Jesus ascended. Well, we had about a 10-day period after that. And so we had the ascension, we had the Great Commission, and then we had this 10-day period, and then we reached Pentecost. So we had 40 days after resurrection, and then we had ascension, and then we had a 10-day window, and then we reached Pentecost. Now, to make Pentecost really less scary for you guys, the word literally translates to 50. Um, so Pentecost doesn't mean crazy Christians screaming at you at Masios. Not what it means at all. Not what it means at all. It literally means 50 because it was 50 days from resurrection to Pentecost. 50 days. So not so scary, is it? Then we have Pentecost. Now, Acts Acts chapter 2, verse 1, says on the day of Pentecost, well, on the day, 50 days, 50 days from resurrection, on the day of Pentecost, this is the thing that Jesus said, before you go, wait for this. This is what the disciples were waiting for. It's what we were all waiting for. It's what everybody was waiting for after the salvation from Jesus was this moment. And so wait for this before you go. And it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And so here they are, suddenly... Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. So you have the believers, the disciples, and they're meeting together. And, and so Jesus had been with them. He was crucified. They kind of scattered for a moment. And Jesus brought them back together in that 40-day period. He gave a command and he strengthened them. He reassured them and then he left them. And there's this 10-day window and here they are. They're waiting. Why are they waiting? Jesus said to wait. Jesus said, I've got something for you. Don't go until you receive it. And so here they are, the believers, the disciples, sitting together, and something begins to fill the room. And this, this is Pentecost 50. This is what they were waiting on. And it says, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. And begin speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And so the thing that they were waiting for was not an event, but it was a person, the person of God. Um, as Christians, as believers, and I get that you may not be bought in, but if, but if you are bought in the theology, the, the, the belief is that there's God, the creator, 
There's God the Son, Jesus, and then there's God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I, I, I don't want you to go alone. I don't want you to do this alone. We weren't created to do it alone. We talk about this all the time in recovery. We're interdependent. We're interdependent with one another, but we're interdependent with God. And so God said, wait until I send this, he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And, it said, um, and so it says again, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so your second question might be this, uh, why is this significant, and why should I give a rip when it comes to my recovery? Um, well, let, me, let, me, let me tell you about that. Let me, let's talk about that for a little bit. Why? Why is this important? What does this mean to us today? Because, I mean, 2,000 years has passed, and I don't know about you, this isn't Jerusalem, right? I'm not, I'm not sitting in a room with 11 other guys. Um, Jesus didn't have this for me, did he? Did, was this command for all of us? Is this something that, that, that's for everyone here? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when we talk about this, Jesus had this to say in the Gospel of John. Um, and so again, this is one of the accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. We have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John here gave this account in chapter 14, verse 26. And he says, but when the Father, this is Jesus speaking, he says, but when the Father sends the advocate, say advocate, advocate, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Now the problem is in the church, and I've got news for you, this is the church here, even though it's recovery. Um, we get so scared of this thing that, that people talk about because we think of these crazy people that scream at us and act all weird. You're like, ah, you know, it's bad enough I'm following Jesus and going to church. I don't want to act like a weirdo too. That's not what we're talking about. Jesus is like, listen. I've got something for you. It's important. It's significant. It matters. And here he says, you need to wait on this. So this is before the ascension. Jesus is talking to him. He says, but when the Father sends the advocate, my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. Say everything. everything. And remind you of everything. Say everything. everything. That I have told you. And so an advocate is one who argues on one's behalf advocates for him. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I mean, that is a gift from God. But what it is, is it's, it's, it's God's Spirit with us arguing on behalf of Jesus. That means Jesus' will, Jesus' plan, Jesus' purpose. And God gives us his Spirit as a gift so that when you're acting like a dirtbag, the Holy Spirit's like, whoa, bro, like, you shouldn't treat your wife that way. When, when you're going out and it's like, man, I'm going to get super smashed on Saturday and I might go to church tomorrow, it's like, maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> it's advocating God's plan and God's purpose. It's inside of us. As believers, when you commit to that, we get to be the temple of God. And God's Spirit is on the inside of us. How significant is that? That's why before Christ, we struggle so much in our addiction, in our strongholds. That's why we fail so often. And that's why on the other side of it, there's freedom to be had, life change. Our stories can be changed forever because God sent the advocate through Jesus Christ to indwell us. And so, again, Jesus says in verse 26 here, says, but when the Father sends the advocate, my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. So the Holy Spirit advocates in our lives for Jesus. How incredible is that? How it's direct communication with God through his spirit. 
And again we see in John, this is John 15, 26. Jesus again speaking before the ascension, and he says this, but I will send you the advocate. Say advocate. advocate. Again, the one that's arguing on my behalf. Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you the one that will tell you my plan, my purpose for your life, that will give you guidance and direction. He says, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. Say truth. How important is it is? I mean, when we fall into our traps, into our strongholds, 10 times out of 10, it's because we've fallen victim to a lie. We've been deceived in some way. We, we failed to recognize the truth. And here Jesus is saying, I have truth for you through the power of my spirit, the advocate, the spirit of truth. And he continues, the spirit of truth, he will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And so you might be thinking, do I really need to know this and understand it? Do I really need the Holy Spirit to guide and direct my life? Listen, I seen this meme one time. It's like, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. I mean, and how true is that? Like, I can't tell you how often that I'm off course in my relationship with God and I'm trying to do things on my own power and I meet people out there in the world and, and I love people and I am not kind I'm not gracious, and that's because I'm not letting God's Spirit advocate on His behalf, guide and direct my life, and, and, and I'm doing it on my own, my own power, my own will. I'm guiding and directing my own steps, and so we need it for everything. It's what our recovery is centered around. And so when we look at the significance of Pentecost, again, as it pertains to our recovery, it is the teacher the representative, it's the voice inside that convicts us, that encourages us to do better. It's what all of this is centered around. When you come here on a Monday night or a Sunday morning or come to one of our ministries, this is what it's about. It's about finding Jesus and allowing his spirit to guide and direct your lives. It's about submitting to his will, to his plan, to his purpose. And the thing that changes on the inside is that when we commit to the Lord, when we make that decision, when we do that, we become temples of God, that his spirit's with us. That's what changes. It changes everything. And that's point number one. Point number one is Pentecost changed everything. It was revolutionary. It was significant. It was something that no one had ever experienced before. It was something that the believers couldn't wrap their minds around because it had never happened. And we have access to this every day. It's just a part of our life. It's a part of our relationship with Jesus. It's a part of what we experience. And so we can't, we can't even comprehend following Jesus without this. And so again, point number one is it changed everything. Jesus, he had this to say about Pentecost. And so again, we're going to go to the book of John. This is before the ascension. Um, and it says, but in fact, it is best for you. Say best for you. In fact, it is best for you that I go away. Again, this is Jesus speaking. I mean, when you really like play that out and, and just string it out a little bit, tease it out, Jesus is talking to the disciples. They, they have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God in a body. I mean, think about that. I mean, how cool would that be? I mean, how significant would that be? And then here's God in the flesh saying, it's best for you that I leave. How could that be? How could that really be? And so Jesus, he tells them. He says, if I don't, the advocate, say advocate. advocate. 
There it is, that, that word again. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, it's the one that's arguing on God's behalf. The advocate won't come. Jesus is saying, it's best for you that I leave because I've got something better for you. And the something better is, is the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God indwelling us, directing us, arguing on behalf of Jesus. If I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send them to you. So Jesus is saying, this is what's got to happen. This is what, it, wasn't, it didn't stop at resurrection. Jesus had a final peace, and that was sending the Spirit of God. It didn't end there at the cross. There was something more that God had for all of us as we believe, as we endeavor to do life, as we endeavor to be better husbands, better fathers, as we endeavor to be sober, to get our finances under control, to, to, to have self-worth, whatever it is. There was something, a missing piece that God had for us, and it was the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says again, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. That, that's letting us know, like, I shouldn't do this. I know in my own life, uh, before, before Jesus, I liked to break the law, just to be real blunt with you. Um, I, I, just, I would break as many laws as I could. Um, it was just one of those things. And I had, there was nothing inside of me that said, you probably shouldn't do that. Um, the only thing inside of me was like, hey, are you going to get caught or not? That, that was my only compass. That was my only compass. And, and you know what happened when, when I came into a relationship with Jesus? I had conviction. It wasn't shame or guilt saying I was worthless. It was God's spirit saying, I have something better for you. You don't want to go down that path. You don't want to do that. In my marriage, the way that I treat my wife, again, it, it's the one inside of me that, that convicts me and says, you need to talk to Janelle better. You need to treat your kids differently. You need to, to love the people in your world better. You need to be better with your money, your finances. You need to, to pursue this or pursue that. It's what's inside of us, what's inside of us that changes, that directs our steps. It has everything to do with our recovery. It's what gives us success long term. It's what's different between AA and NA and this. That, that we get freedom when we submit to Jesus Christ, when we pursue him with everything. It's what changes lives. It's what changes stories is this. He says, if I do go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. And then in verse 10, he says this, righteousness. Say righteousness. righteousness. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. What a powerful statement from Jesus. He's saying it's better for you that I go because when I go, righteousness. That's right standing. That, that we get to stand before God justified and made right because of what Jesus has done and because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Because of the work of the advocate. I could never stand before God right on my own. I could never experience a life free of shame and guilt without the work of God's Holy Spirit, without the advocate. That, that I would always feel insignificant. That I would always beat myself up. That I would always feel like trash. It wasn't until I discovered God through Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit that my eyes were open that said, you're loved. 
You're a child of God. You can be more. God created me for more. These were the things that opened my eyes to this. And God's righteousness is available because of what Jesus did. And again, verse 10 says, Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Before Jesus, the Holy Spirit would come upon people and we would see that in the Bible. But after Jesus, it was something that every single believer had access to. It was something that changes the lives of everyone who submits to Jesus. And so one of the, the best examples I see of this, incredible example, um, is, is that of Peter. And so when we're looking at the Gospels again, we, we, we find out about one of Jesus' early disciples. It was Simon, um, Simon Peter. Uh, he was in Jesus' inner circle. There was about three guys that were significantly close to Jesus. Jesus had the twelve. But then he had his group as three. And Peter was one of these. And Peter's so relatable because as we read through our Bible and we look at Peter's life, even though he journeyed with Jesus, he was chosen by Jesus, he was one of Jesus' disciples, he failed time and time again. Like, like his life resembles what our life can look like at times. He was hot-headed. I mean, he put his foot in his mouth all the time. You know, some of Peter's failures, um, again, he was temperamental. One time he argued with Jesus. I mean, you think about that, that Jesus told him, hey, this is what I got to do. And then Peter's like, no, like, I'm not going to let that happen. He tried to tell God what he was going to do. And God had to rebuke him. Jesus rebuked him in that moment. And so Peter argued with Jesus. He was filled with selfish ambition. We get an account of Peter's life where he's arguing with the other disciples about who is the greatest. Well, that's the exact opposite of what God's word tells us, right? We should humble ourselves, last is first. And so here Peter is arguing with selfish ambition. He lacked faith. We see him, he began to walk on the water. He lost sight of Jesus and sinks. He denied Jesus. On the night that Jesus was arrested three times, Peter denied Christ, denied even knowing him. He was a coward in that moment. He ran after that. I think one of the most significant things is this. After crucifixion, he spent three years in ministry with Jesus, saw incredible things. And do you know what he did after the crucifixion? He went back to fishing. He abandoned everything. He went back to his old ways, his own ways. Talk about a relapse, right? He spent three years with the Son of God. But he was so broken and so lost, even in those moments, and he was a believer that he went right back to his old ways. Then Pentecost happened. Again, not a scary word. 50 days after resurrection. And after that moment that we read about earlier, where, where tongues of fire fell on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that same day, the coward Peter who denied Jesus and ran away and went back to fishing, he steps out boldly and begins to proclaim the name of Jesus, totally and utterly transformed and at the end of his sermon, 3,000 people were saved. That, that Peter's life was impacted. Was it solely in belief of Jesus? No, he knew who Jesus was. He spent years with Jesus. He followed him, followed all the steps, all the ministry, walked in it day in and day out. And it wasn't enough because he didn't have that final piece of the puzzle, which was God's spirit indwelling him and empowering him and him listening to the advocate the one that argued on God's behalf that, that Jesus was raised up. And again, 3,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost because of Jesus procl or Peter proclaiming the name of Jesus. Peter went on. 
He, he did performed miracles. He wrote part of our Bible. And in the end, the guy that was so scared that ran for his life, he was actually mar martyred. He was killed for his belief in Christ. And the thing that changed was Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the final peace, the most significant thing in our recovery. Acts 2.41 says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. But again, it wasn't until he experienced the fullness of the gospel. It didn't stop at the cross. It wasn't until he experienced all that God had for him that his life was completely transformed and changed into what, what we view Peter as today. And so how can this be? Point number two is this. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, helps Peter in his weakness, that, that when we talk about this, it's what helps us to grow and to be better. And so... It guides and directs us towards the will of God. Romans 8.26 says this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Well, there it is, right? Plain as day. Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed. Verse 27 says this, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads, pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will that in, in our own strength, we're incredibly weak, that, that we fall victim to the world, the world's ways and systems time and time again. And, and God's spirit, his advocate, was sent to help us in that weakness. That, that even if we don't know what to do, even if we don't know what the answer is, even if we don't know how to, to stay straight, to have the good marriage, to continue to pursue, that God does. And God uses his spirit, again, to convict us, to guide us, to direct us, to help us in our weakness. When are we weak? All the time. <laughs> All the time. Every single time we take our eyes off of God. Every single time. And in those moments, all we have to do is look back to him, and God's spirit lifts us up, guides us, directs us, strengthens us, and helps us in those times. It has everything to do with every aspect of our life. And so again, point number two, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And then finally, point number three is this. He gives us confident hope that when we talk about God's Holy Spirit in the big deal, in the way he changes us. Not only does he help us in our weakness, but he gives us confident hope. Hope is one of those things that, it's, it's what allows us to push forward. That, that in spite of, of looking like all is lost, that if there's even a glimmer of hope, human nature is to push towards that, right? To, to keep fighting, when other people are like, what the heck are you even doing? You have no chance. I mean, it's what allows us to have comeback stories. I mean, it's <laughs> every heartwarming, heartfelt story, I mean, is because they had hope, right? There was something out there that caused them to keep pushing and keep driving. And when we look at lack of hope, I mean, think about your marriage. If you feel like all hope is lost, when that's taken away from you, it's like your candle's been snuffed out, right? And you're just like, I'm done. In our recovery, it's in those moments when we feel like we can't make it any longer, when the enemy takes that hope away from us, 
What do we do? We fall back into relapse. We go back into to the way things used to be. Every single time hope is taken from us, we all but roll over and die. Hope is that thing that drives us, that pushes us, that allows us to succeed no matter what it is you're pursuing. Without hope, all is lost. And the incredible thing is that again, you may be in here and you're like, that's great. I don't buy it. I'm not a Christian. I don't believe. I get it. I actually pulled up a, a secular article. And again, if you're not into the Christianese, that's like outside of the church, people who don't believe. And so I went to about the most far-fetched uh, source I could go to. I went to the USA Today um, and uh, just a step above CNN. But um, it says this, decades of research show hope is a robust predicator of mental health. So it's talking about hope, the thing that the Bible directs us in so much. And what's funny is I love it when, when like science and the world catches up with what the Word of God has been telling us for thousands of years. Um, and so here we have one of those moments is a, is a robust predicator of mental health. Not only does it make life more enjoyable, experts say, but hope also provides resilience. Like That's that ability to bounce back, to keep pushing forward. Resilience against things like post-traumatic stress disorder, Anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. Hope offers chemical benefits too in the form of endorphins and lowered stress levels. Things, experts say, make people more productive. Isn't that incredible? I mean, hope is this thing that, that really allows us to thrive. But, but what is your source of hope? Because here's the thing. Oftentimes we put our source of hope in the world. In systems of government, well, leadership changes. Different people get in office. If, if that's your source of hope, every four years, your source of hope's up for, for auction, isn't it? I mean, what if it's in your job? Careers come and go. What if, if your source of hope is in that? Then, then what happens if you're laid off, the company goes under, or, or any number of things? What if you lose your identity? You put your identity and your stock solely in what you do, and, and one day that, that's not there. If that's your source of hope, then, then all of these things, that, that, the mental health, the, the desire to live, to push forward, I mean, it could be tossed up in the air at any moment that, that we need a steadfast source, a source that never changes, that never goes away, that, that's always there, that's plentiful, that, that no matter what storm, what situation we're in, will always be there. And so our hope has to be in the right things and come from the right source. Psalms 39.7 says, And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. That, that, that's the answer. Our, our only hope should be in what God has given us. And, and the source of that hope comes through God's Holy Spirit. Um, we see this in Romans 15, 13, and it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope. Say confident hope. Confident. Through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can't thrive, we can't live, we can't succeed in life or recovery without hope. And, and our source of hope comes through God's Holy Spirit. And so when we look at the significance of Pentecost, again, I urge you, don't pull away because of what other people have done or how they've made things weird or just lean into it and realize that, that this day is significant. It's the day after 
everything changed. That's what we celebrate today. That's what we're recognizing, that, that, that eyes were opened, that, that people's lives were transformed on a significant day, 50 days after the resurrection. And every day we have access to that now because of what Jesus did. And so when it comes to our recovery, we can have confident hope because of what Christ has done, because we have the opportunity to be indwelled by his Holy Spirit. That when it comes to our marriage, we can have confident hope because of the work of God through the Holy Spirit. That no matter what it is that you're facing or struggling, you can face it with confident hope. And you can have help in your weakness because what God did through the work of his Holy Spirit. That, that it didn't stop at the cross. It didn't stop at salvation. There was one final piece. And when it comes to our recovery, when it comes to us fulfilling the plan and the purpose of God, it has everything to do with this. It has everything to do with this. And we need to begin to lean in to the fullness of the gospel. Begin to lean in to all of what God has for us. Begin to embrace it and accept it and understand that, that we don't have to live our lives this way anymore because of what God did, because of Pentecost, because of the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. We have restoration, we have freedom, we have help in our weakness, and we have hope. We have an advocate, somebody who argues on our behalf and somebody who argues on Jesus' behalf. Everything is changed because of what God's done. So to recap tonight, point number one was this. It changed everything. It changed everything. That it's significant because nothing was ever the same after that day. Point number two, the Holy Spirit, it's there to help us in our weakness. Stop turning to things of this world. Stop relying on your own strength and realize that God sent us an advocate and a helper to indwell us and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And then point number three, gives us hope. Hope is our source of life. I mean, it's the thing that, again, that allows us to, to take that, that one next step to do that next right thing and to move just a little bit closer to all that God has for us. And so he is that source of hope, unwavering, unchanging, no matter your situation, no matter what you're going through. Begin to lean in to God's Holy Spirit and accept all that he has for you. And so as we talk about this tonight, even though this is the final piece you can't move forward without that first piece, that first step. And, and that first step is accepting Jesus Christ. And so here in just a moment as we close service, we're going to have our chip prayers and huggers come up front. And if you're in here and you're like, I've never realized this. I didn't understand the significance. I've been trying to do it on my own all this time. You know, I, I thought this was just all just nonsense and, and but but today like God's opened your eyes to something different and, and you're ready to take that first step that next step that best step and accept Jesus we would love to pray with you and for you and we're gonna have some people up front that would love to lead you into a relationship with Jesus and that's where you recognize that he was the son of God that he died for you believe that he can save you accept him make him lord of your life and if you're in here and you're like you know I did that before once or twice whatever it may be, and I've gotten off track. I've been far from God. Will he ever accept me back again? Absolutely. And so if you're in here tonight and you're ready to recommit and, and you've recognized, you know what, I need to come home. I, I need to, to go back 
to God and, and to allow him to, to continue that work that he started in me so long ago. So if that's you, you need to recommit. Again, we would love to pray with you and for you. And I want to encourage you to come up front for that. And then if, if God's just been just dinging you, pressing your heart, bringing something to your mind that, that you realize isn't right, he's been convicting you. You know, that word, just, you know in this moment that it's time to set that down. It's time to give that to God. I'm going to invite you up front to grab one of our white chips. And what this is, it's, it's just something. It's not for us. It's for you. It's between you and God. And all it is is a reminder that, that you gave that to God. Whatever that is, whatever that stronghold, whatever that struggle, whatever that speed bump in life is. And there's a blank space on here. You can write today's date. You can write down what it is. Whatever you need to do because it's just between you and God. And then lastly, if you're in here and you just need prayer, you're like, hey, Pastor Ann, I'm a Christ follower, but I've been struggling. I just, I just need help. Prayer is how we make God a part of our problems. And, and if you just realize you need to invite him in, but you don't want to do it alone, we're here to journey with you. That's what family's about. That's what we're here for. And we would love to pray with you. And if you've got something to celebrate, we would love to celebrate with you too. And so for any of those things, to become a, a Christ follower for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to pray with somebody. We would love for you to come up front and join us. And as we close right now, if you guys would do us a favor, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.